with uh, Mr. Richard Triggs uh, or Big Love Triggsy. <laughs> and uh, Richard is a great friend of mine and someone who I really admire for the work that he does working with executives and CEOs in the recruitment uh, space. And, and he has a, a um, let's say, a an avalanche of wisdom and experience to, to bring forward. So Richard, thank you for joining me today. Well, it's probably a very pertinent word to use avalanche as I'm <laughs> yeah. sitting here in the uh, snow-capped <laughs> peaks of the Himalayas, you know, as some old wise monk uh, uh, discoursing great wisdom to those uh, uh, on the airwaves. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a podcast with Zach I can never pronounce his name, Galifianakis, where it's called, between, it's called Between Two Palms. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen uh, that one. You have to watch it. It's hilarious. So he gets uh, people on and basically he just absolutely roasts them. <laughs> yeah. And it's called Between Two Palms because it's literally him and the candidate or the, the guest and they're between two palms. Well, I feel like I'm talking to you beside one palm. Not that it's even a palm, but you, you've got this big plant behind you on one yeah. side. So, uh, yeah. So, Darren, beside one plant. <laughs> that, that could be the new name for your podcast that's it we're just <laughs> we're completely rebranding yeah <laughs> uh, no but in in all seriousness i think like this is the spirit of of triggsies we like to call them blt is uh having having a great laugh and i think yeah i'd love to start from your perspective man obviously just a little bit of background i guess growing up uh you know moving on to living out your unique path and, and I guess for how that's gotten to where you are today. All right. Okay. So let me give you a, uh, I'm almost turning 54. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, unlike, you, unlike you, my, uh, my autobiography is a little bit longer. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, my parents are both English. My dad's dead now, but uh, he was a university professor. My mum was a nurse and uh, being a university academic, one of the ways they advance their career is moving around the world to different universities. So he, uh, after he finishes um, uh, PhD in London, he and my mum moved to Canada and I was born in Edmonton, Alberta. The year I was born, it was minus 43 degrees centigrade. So uh, they, they put up with that for about two years and said, screw this, it's too bloody cold. So uh, then uh, they moved to California and um, my brother was born in California. I have one brother who's two and a half years younger than me. And then at four, at four we moved to Sydney. And then at 12, uh, uh, we moved to uh, Queensland. So, you know, largely driven by my dad, you know, being, I, I don't know what the right terms would be, but like a, a lecturer, a senior lecturer, an associate professor, a professor, whatever. And, uh, and in Brisbane, he was the head of the pharmacy department for 20 years. So um, anyway, so, uh, so moved here, did my high school in Brisbane. Uh, while I was uh, at school, literally, you know, in grade eight. So when I was 12, I started to learn to play guitar. And uh, I loved Kiss, you know, Kiss were my band. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, anyway, I sort of played guitar and, and got into rock and roll and that was my thing. And I finished uh, high school, went to uni, started a business degree. At the same time, I was playing in a couple of bands and uh, decided that, um, you know, I wanted to be a rock star. So I, uh, I, I dropped out of uni and I ended up touring as a musician for four years, playing in a wow. variety of different bands. Uh, in 1990, my band called Leather Zen 
won the Queensland Rock Awards. We beat Powderfinger. Yes, we beat Powderfinger. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, as a result of that, we moved to Melbourne chasing a record deal. And of course, the record deal fell over. And uh, when I was in Melbourne, I was having guitar lessons. I was a pretty good guitarist back then, not so much now, but uh, uh, I was having guitar lessons from a guy named Steve Housen, who was the guitarist for uh, the Little River Band. And at the time, Johnny Farnham was their singer. Wow. And they, they were the biggest band in Australia, right? And yet he still had to teach guitar to earn enough money to feed his family, wow. right? And I just went, uh, I think this uh, rock and roll career is... Um, uh, it's a bit of a pipe dream. So uh, I rang mum and dad and said, please let me come home and go back to uni. So <laughs> I came home and I went back to uni and I, I finished a degree in business, HR and marketing. Uh, and then I uh, worked predominantly in sales in the sort of the property services industry. Uh, I um, uh, ended up moving to Cairns. I lived in Cairns for four years working for p at the time. Uh, ran, you know, a very big business for them. And then in 2000, moved back down to Brisbane. Uh, I uh, continued working in that industry for a couple more years. And then I went to university and I did what's called an executive MBA. Um, and while I was doing my executive MBA, like most people who do an MBA, I started to think about, you know, what do I want to do when I grow up? And uh, I was talking to a recruiter who had been, I'd been a client of his, so he had recruited people for me in my job. And I said to him, look, it's probably time for me to think about doing something new. And he said, oh, what about becoming a recruiter? And before you knew it, I was a recruiter. So uh, I worked for a year for what was at the time the biggest recruitment company in the world. Uh, Realised I loved recruitment, didn't really enjoy mm. working for that business. Went and worked for a smaller private company, worked for them for about five, five and a half years, ended up on their board, uh, uh, managing a very substantial business, and then had a uh, conflict with the owners of the company, which was very unfortunate, um, uh, exited that business. And at that time, not long after that, started my own firm. So my company is called Arete Executive, A-R-E-T-E. Arate is a Greek word. It means the fulfillment of one's full potential. Nice. Um, or as Homer used it in the Iliad, <laughs> uh, where heroes gather to realise their full potential, right? So I thought, <laughs> I thought that's a cool name. So uh, <laughs> I, I started the business with my wife at the time, Fiona Cochran. Uh, Fiona, if you're listening, love you. And thank you for being a beautiful mother to my children and a wonderful friend. And uh, so, you know, we ran this business, which has just turned 13 years. So unfortunately, um, one of the... Uh, Sadder outcomes of, of it was Fiona and I, you know, divorced as a couple. But, um, and so I've been running the business on my own now, gosh, I guess for about four years. And, um, and so sitting here today on the 27th of March, 2022, uh, I own uh, this recruitment company, Arate Executive. Uh, so what we do is we're a headhunter. We headhunt uh, people for specific roles in organizations. Business is excellent. It's only a small business. I have a team of five. Um, I also run uh, what are called sounding boards where I get groups of CEOs and business owners together once a month. Uh, it's where they can talk about things that perhaps they wouldn't want to talk to their staff or their mm. board or their customers about. They can come in in a very confidential environment and 
and talk about what's going on for them, mainly professional, but sometimes personal. So I do that. I coach a lot of um, senior executives through job search, so how they can take control and you know create a career that they would truly love. And uh, and I still play music, so you know I've been in and out of bands over the years. I've got a couple of albums on Spotify. Uh, I have a, a ridiculously expensive guitar collection that is, uh, and uh, I have two beautiful children, Archie, fourteen, Tallulah, nine. I am uh, currently single, uh, having recently uh, left a relationship, which was extremely sad. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'd have to say, you know, all things considered, going into my fifty-fifth year on the planet because I'm turning fifty-four, uh, life is grand. <laughs> and you're in the Himalayas, so what can you think of playing? Exactly. So I, I put this, I put this background up uh, when COVID first started, and people started really getting into Zoom, etc. Yeah. I put it up because my office is just, you know, it literally is guitars and amps and crap everywhere. Uh, but now people seem to really like it. Uh, <laughs> so, so Trigsy is spousing, you know, as if I'm some highly ordained monk that's crawled out of his cage to. Uh, to uh, share, share his podcast. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> and anyway, so so here we are. Lovely here to be here, are. Darren. Lovely, uh, to, lovely to meet you too, BLT. <laughs> and I feel like there's some really, really awesome. I call them like golden Easter eggs or golden nuggets in what you shared there, especially for a lot of the people listening to this space. And I just want to thank you as well for sharing all that. Um, is Obviously, there was a very specific point in your life where you had a certain dream, right? Or you had uh, a mission that you were heading on the path towards, right? And then there was a specific time where you like pivoted or shifted your focus to to another avenue, right? Yeah. And I'm sure at the time, it would have been very emotionally challenging because it could have definitely caused like a cognitive dissonance in terms of like your heading one way with certain identity as a rock star. And then the realization that that wasn't the path that you could say, like, Amul Fati, you know, which means is also Greek, I think, for a love of one's fate, you know, mm. and, and that your, your path aligned within recruitment or within business. And, and obviously, that's brought you here today. So let's say, for, digging into that a little bit deeper, and obviously you work around now understanding people's innate gifts. And what would you say to someone who maybe is going through a similar situation? Like for me, it was soccer. And then I had to let go of that dream to build brotherhood, right? There's so much of that dynamic that I still use. Same with yourself. But what would you say to someone who's in a similar position? All right. So uh, at the risk of, uh, you know, jumping immediately, to the depths of the rabbit hole. Are you you happy to do that? <laughs> so, course. okay, good. So, uh, you know, I, I've been studying, you know, uh, I suppose esoteric uh, uh, knowledge and intuition, not 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 in a sort of a, a woo-woo way, but more in a, you know, practical way for pretty much my whole life. Of course, science is based on <laughs> esoteric knowledge. Well, look, science is a belief just like religion is a belief. Yeah. It's all just beliefs, right? 100%. Uh, not saying those beliefs are not necessarily true, but it is yeah. still just a belief. You know, of course. Why, why, why does the moon exert gravity on the oceans, but not on the deserts? Well, 
you know, nobody can really explain that. Yeah. You know, scientists try to explain it, but at the end of the day, you know, it just is, right? And so uh, I lived for one weekend a month for four years at Chen Resi up on the Sunshine Coast, the biggest community of Buddhist monks and nuns in the Southern Hemisphere. I studied Buddhism at the highest level that you can as a non-ordained, so without becoming a monk. I studied it for four years. You know, I, I've done, you know, for 10-day silent meditation retreats, for pastor retreats many times. I've done bunches of retreats. You know, I, I've done plant medicine work. I've done a lot of things, right? And uh, and it's all been very, very useful to come into a place, uh, you know, where I am now. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that everybody needs to go down that pathway to work out, you know, what they want to do when they grow up. But, um, uh, but I've walked a path that... Um, has been extraordinarily insightful and beneficial to me. So, uh, so what would I say? You know, to use the words of a uh, a wise man that we both know, uh, the universe is reflective. So, if I accept the fact that you know where I put my attention is what I comes to me in my universe, then uh, if I put my attention on what I love then I'll get more of what I love. If I put my attention on what I don't love, then, you know, I'll get more of what I don't love. So the universe is reflective. The universe is also ref reflective, uh, reflexive. Is that right? So, you know, if I change where I put my intention, then the universe will flex almost immediately to start to give me where I am now putting my new attention. And the final thing is, it all comes down to intention. What is my intention? So if I look at my own career, uh, you know, I was playing in bands. We were getting good attention. I was enjoying it. However, I was in a band and there was a particular person in this band who I'm now good friends with. But at the time, you know, we had a pretty conflicted relationship. I was in a personal relationship with somebody that I was in Melbourne and wasn't enjoying and so my attention was going to a lot of the things about what I wasn't enjoying. Mm. Um, and so as a result, uh, I escaped by going back home and going back to university, right? Um, with the awareness that I have now as a you know, 53-year-old, and look, I'm good friends with a couple of guys in Powderfinger and, you know, I know many extraordinarily successful uh, musicians and so on. I know that if I kept my attention on what I loved, instead of putting my attention on what I didn't love, mm. it could be an entirely different story. You know, you could be sitting here talking to, you know, Trixie, who's, you know, the lead singer of the Foo Fighters and touring the world <laughs> and having a fucking awesome time, right? So, yeah. uh, so... I think that, you know, one of the, the lessons for that is to become very clear about what is your intention and are you, when I'm coaching people, I talk about driven versus drawn. So driven is what, are, what does society expect of me? What do my parents expect of me? What does keeping up the Joneses expect of me? You know, I've got to get married and have kids and work hard and climb the corporate ladder and blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm driven to do that. 
It's hard, it's a grind, it's not fun. I finally get to being a CEO, like a lot of CEOs I know, they go tricky. I always thought that I wanted to be a CEO. Now I'm a CEO, I hate my job. My kids have nothing to do with me. What My wife hates my guts. I'm 40 kilos overweight, you know, and every day I drag myself out of bed to go to a job that I don't like, mm. right? It's, they're driven, right? What is the difference between being driven and being drawn? So often, you know, they talk about this midlife crisis, right? And in, uh, you know, the sort of the um, Western interpretation of that, you know, I'm 45 years old, I'm having a midlife crisis, so I have a, rela- uh, you know, I shag my secretary and buy a Ferrari, right? Okay, but the real midlife crisis is, as it's really understood, is you get to a point in your life where I've fulfilled my commitment to society. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done the job, I've paid the mortgage, I've had the kids, I've done the thing. Now, what is the life that I would love to lead? Mm-hmm. What am I drawn to, right? What am I drawn to? What would what is the life that I would love, that I would wake up every day delighted to be doing my work, right? To, delighted to be, you know, in flow, being of service, uh, being, um, you know, living my truest, authentic self. Now, you don't have to wait to be 50 to do that, right? Mm-hmm. It's a misconception. You can, you can achieve that at 17 or 25 or 30, right? Um, what are you driven by versus what are you drawn to? Now, if I go again back to my music, you know, essentially, if I'm completely honest to to myself, now I was driven to escape because I was in a band with, you know, a guy that was driving me crazy. I was in a shit relationship and I just wanted the safety of coming home, Mm. right? I wasn't drawn to that. I, but it's not that I have a lot of remorse, right? Because I think there's another thing too. There's a fantastic book. It's written by this guy named Robert Scheinfeld. It's called Busting Loose from the Money Game. And it's really nothing to do about money. And what what he talks about is that, you know, uh, in the early stages of our development, we, you know, we are a child, okay, a child where we think this is happening to me. You know, why is this happening to me? Why is my boss being mean to me? Why is my girlfriend, you know, um, not responding to my loving attention? Whatever it is, we, we believe and we're encouraged to believe. In fact, in the entirety of society would have us believe. And if you don't believe this, just turn on the news. There is stuff happening out there which is happening to me. I am a victim of circumstances outside of my control. I would love to have this, but I can't have it because of circumstances that I can't control. I'm a victim, right? Not a victim in terms of I'm being persecuted and, you know, or but just more, you know, I'd love to get a pay rise, but my boss is an idiot. Or I'd love to have better behaved kids, but my partner is not a very good parent. Yeah. Or in my case, I'd love to lose 30 kilos, but I take I entertain so many people, you know, I kind of feel obliged to eat and drink more than I should. So I'm a victim, right? Okay, so 
And then it's, so that is sort of stage one. And then stage two, moving into being an adult, which very, very few people do, is to realize that I am actually the creator, mm. right? And I accept total responsibility for my life. It is nobody else's responsibility. So you mm. use the word pivot, Darren, which I think is a bit overused as a word, but it's a good word. You know, if I'm in this job and my boss is a dickhead, leave. If I'm in this relationship and I'm not getting, you know, uh, the kind of reciprocity, reciprocity of love that I need, leave. Put my attention on what I would prefer, mm. you know, create the life that I would truly love. You know, what is my intention? What is the kind of job that I want? What is the kind of career, the kind of relationship, the kind of family, the kind of health, etc.? And as soon as I put my attention on what I want, the universe being reflective and reflexive suddenly starts to deliver what I want, right? But there's a third stage. And it's the third stage, which is the one that, you know, uh, you know really messes with my head, right? The, the third stage is to become the neutral observer. Mm. To go, I no longer have intention. I view all as exactly as it should be. So if I lose my job, fine. If I get a beautiful new girlfriend, fine. You know, if I develop diabetes and I have to amputate my leg, fine, right? There's a Buddhist story, you know, there's this farmer and uh, he has this beautiful horse. And one day his horse escapes from the yard and all his friends say, oh my God, it's so sad. So sad that you've lost your beautiful horse. And the farmer goes, it's neither good nor bad, it just is. And then a few weeks later, the horse returns leading a pack of wild horses, you know, and suddenly he's got 10 horses. And they say, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky that, you know, you now have 10 horses. And he says, well, it's, it's neither good nor bad. It is what it is. Mm. And then his son one day is out training, trying to break a horse, you know, as they do, you see the cowboy movies. And uh, he's trying to break this horse and he falls off and he breaks his leg. And his friends say, oh, so sad that your son's broken his leg because he can't help you out on the farm and isn't that terrible? And the farmer says, it is neither good nor bad. And then the army comes to town recruiting all the young men to go to war. But of course, because his son's got a broken leg, they can't recruit him to go to war. And all his friends say to him, oh, it's so wonderful. Isn't it wonderful that because your son had a broken leg, you know, uh, uh, he doesn't have to go to war. And the farmer says, it is, it is what it is, right? Man, it's hard to live a life in that mm -hmm. place. It's hard because we're all told from tiny children, right? Set goals, work hard, get qualified, build a career, get married, buy a house, get the job, get the house, get the white picket fence, et cetera, et cetera. And then if things don't go right, oh, my girlfriend left me. Oh, fuck. I'm devastated. You know, oh, you know, I, um, you know, I didn't win that sale that I was having to sell. I'm devastated. Like that is the way the entire world is set up. Yeah. And yet it's completely contradictory to having a good life. Isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, um, that's the one that fucks me.
right? Because I want to be, I want to have goals. I want to build a good business. Yeah. I want to be in a beautiful relationship. I want to be the best dad I can be. Uh, you know, I want those things. And yet when things happen, which I believe in my egoic position, a contra to what I want, I'm sad and angry and disappointed and depressed. So I think that, you know, uh, it's good to aspire. Hmm. It's good to aspire to. That's a very, very long answer to your question. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, because it really breaks it down to the core because it's also like the human aspect. Like, yeah, well, the emotional aspect is like the human aspect of us, you know? It's like, especially when you're talking about specific situations like you know we've been programmed for so long to buy into certain things or to feel a certain way and we've conditioned ourselves that it would take i don't know like uh, from my personal perspective i feel like it would take years to shift from be, having a, an emotional response to then being a complete neutral observer and i suppose then tying into the question what you were saying what you know in the beginning where i was talking about um say for someone who's in that position and especially i loved i've never heard that before drawn to instead of driven now i'm actually going to re i'm going to shift my spelling <laughs> around around driven but drawn to and i feel that's a really interesting point right because you're talking about reality was reflecting back to you that maybe also what you were like projecting out which you were focusing on what you didn't want but also maybe there was a certain part of that like reality reflecting back to you like that this isn't the path you know so that could have also been a, a factor that played in so then well I, I think that that's true i mean you know if you are born and you're four foot eight and you want to you know play basketball for the Harlem globetrotters right you have to you know understand your constraints uh, it is highly unlikely that, you know, you're going to be a champion basketball goal scorer yeah. for the Harlem Globetrotters or the, the Bulls or the Lakers or whatever, you know, if you're four foot eight, right? So, you know, definitely, you know, I, when I talk about it in terms of the context is that you have a current reality uh, and then you have a preferred reality. And part yeah. of having a current reality is having a, you know, a, to use a, um, a term that they use in the Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, they talk about this thing called having a, you know, I can't remember the exact word, but it's something like, like a complete moral inventory. So you really need to become clear on where you at. Mm. But then you also need to have a preferred reality. You know, what would you love, right? And what happens is, so if you imagine this hand is current reality and this hand is preferred reality, then once I understand and am clear about my current reality and my preferred reality, you know, it comes under tension. It's like there's a rubber band that's drawn between my hands, mm. right? It's under what we call creative tension. Now, that tension can resolve in one way or another, right? You can either collapse back to current reality or your current reality can be drawn towards your preferred reality. Mm. And the only thing that makes the only thing that determines that is where are you putting your attention? Mm -hmm. Are you putting your attention on current reality or are you putting your attention on your preferred reality? Mm. Now, 
I'm currently probably 20 kilos overweight, right? Now I could go, oh, I know what I'm going to do to lose weight. I'm going to go and run the Gold Coast Marathon tomorrow. And people would go, Trixie, you haven't run more than 5Ks in your entire life. You know, you are eating drink for Australia. I think that tomorrow running the Gold Coast Marathon is probably not a great thing to do, right? 100%. Okay, so I've got to become clear on my current reality. And it might be, look, I've been doing this soccer thing for a long time, but I keep getting injured. And I, I've come, I have to accept the fact yeah. that, you know, like it or not, I'm not going to play for, what's the Australian soccer team called? Is it like Brisbane Raw or like- oh, the Raw or the you know, the Australian yeah. team, whatever, right? Yeah. I, you know, I at, at a certain point you have to go. Do I have the desire? You know, it's like me as a guitarist. For a while, I practiced guitar hours and hours and hours and every day, and I got to a point where I was a very good guitarist. I'm not anymore, but you know, back then, you know, I, um, but then you go, but to get to that next level do I really want to practice guitar eight hours a day? Mm. And do I actually honestly feel that I've got that talent? No, right? Okay, well, that being the case, then where do I want to put my attention? Mm. You know? Uh, Well, I kind of enjoy this business thing. So I start to put my attention on that. Mm. Yeah, then that starts to unfold. Yeah. You know, Uh, sort of an example for me recently is, you know, last year, uh, I had a guy who's involved in private equity, so investing in companies to grow them, right? So he said, oh, Richard, I love your business and I love what you do and I love your model and blah, blah, blah. And I reckon we can grow your business over the next three years and we can sell it for a lot of money. So put me on a retainer and also I'll split. When we sell the business in three years, I'll take 10% of the sales value, right? Which... The deal that he struck with me was very good and he's an awesome guy and, you know, we're still, you know, good mates. And so we started, I started to employ more and more people, right? So I grew very quickly to 15 staff and I realised I hate managing people. Mm-hmm. All my life was just putting out fires and dealing with arguments and dealing with problems and blah, blah, blah. And people who said they'd do things and didn't do them. And so, so I got halfway through last year and I had to do a moral inventory and go, do I actually love this? No, I hated it. I hated it. So I said to this guy, his name's Brad. I go, Brad, look, mate, I know that you've got great intentions and I know that what we were wanting to achieve, but, uh, you know, I've done it for enough now to realise this is not what I want. I think we'd let's just call it a day. And we did. And now I have five staff instead of 15 staff. Mm. And my business is running really well. I'm mm. making enough money. I'm having a great lifestyle. I have very good freedom and flexibility. Sure, I won't have a business that I can sell in three years for $20 million, right? But in this current moment, I'm so much happier and so much mm. more at peace. So um, once again, uh, you it's a constant self-inquiry you know somebody goes oh i've got i've worked so hard at school to get the highest you know op score or whatever it's called now i went and become a became a doctor 
and I did eight years of medical training and now I'm a doctor and I hate being a doctor. Mm. But I can't not be a doctor anymore because fuck, man, I've worked my freaking ass out for 12 years to become a doctor and my parents are so proud of me because I'm a doctor and I was able to give this big mortgage because I'm a doctor and my kids get to go to a private school because I'm a doctor but every day I have to sit in a room and somebody goes in and comes and goes oh doctor I think I may have a cold I mean I would get a gun and blow my face off if I had to do that every day so you know but they're too invested yeah they're too invested in and their identity is built up as the doctor. Completely, yeah. completely. And imagine that they go, Oh, if I go to the next barbecue and I say, Look, I've decided I don't want to be a doctor anymore because I really want to be a stand up comedian. Yeah. And all their friends go, Oh, fuck, did you see Darren? Like, uh, I think he's gone insane. I think we might need to put him in an insane. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because then it's like, I think <clears throat> I'd say from my perspective, the way out of that, and I suppose it comes down to the individual himself, but I suppose it's like playing out a scenario. It's again, maybe going short-term pain for long-term gain instead of, you know, people then have the idea of like the short term, they go for that the uh, instant gratification instead of delaying gratification. I suppose playing out a scenario for that individual going like, you know, you've got like one shot at this, right? Like obviously where esoteric knowledge will be like, oh, well, we have an infinite amount of shots of this, right? But the front Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> we do, maybe, or yeah. maybe not. Yeah, well, that's it. Another belief, right? 100%. And I suppose the as the you as you are now, you have one shot at this. And then playing out to a scenario where they're like 70, 80 years old, you know, and, and they've lived their life and being like well do you wish you actually lived the life that you wanted to live or or will you be the person on their deathbed going well fuck i regret 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 yeah. regret you know yeah look i have a saying and a lot of people hate this saying because they think it's really really negative but for me it's actually really positive you know and what i what i say to myself regularly is you know what richard like it or not you are going to die and you are probably going to die sooner than you would hope to die. And not long after you die, Richard, nobody will ever remember that you were ever alive. Mm. You know, my kids will remember me. If, I'm, if I live long enough to have grandchildren, they'll probably remember me. But nobody's ever going to remember I'm alive. You know, even Albert Einstein in a thousand years, nobody will remember he was alive. Yeah or Brad Pitt, or Kim Kardashian, you know, really, nobody cares. So why do you give a fuck? That's it. Why? Just do what you love. Just do what you love because you've only got one shot of this in this meat puppet you know, maybe we come back in other meat puppets. I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue. But in this meat puppet, just do what you love. And if what you love is being a homeless person, go for it. Yeah. And if what you love is being, you know, um, completely strung out on heroin, go for it. And if what you love is being Mother Teresa, go for it. Because at the end of the day, 
it's all a dream. Nothing is real. Life has no meaning. There is no meaning to life. Just do what you love and then die. And hopefully when you die, you die happy. Yeah. Right? Now, I don't think, you know, a lot of homeless people and, you know, heroin addicts die with a big smile on their face saying, oh, wow, that was awesome. But who am I to judge? Mm. Who am I to judge? Everything is exactly as it should be. Why? Because it is. Yeah. I can try and argue with reality to my heart's content, but God, not in a like Christian sense, yeah. God, God goes, love you, Trixie, but fuck you, man. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I'm fortunate. You know, I'm going into my 54th year and I actually thoroughly enjoy my life. Mm. You know, uh, it's taken a long time to get here. It's taken lots and lots of trips down the rabbit hole, not many of which were particularly enjoyable, I should say. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get to a sense of peace. Yeah. Now, if I know, you know what they say, I saw a meme recently, it says, you can either have $5 million or you can go back to being 20 knowing what you need now. That's a tough decision. Mm. But I'd probably take the money. <laughs> <laughs> well because yeah because then you have to live oh all over again. i know and then they go oh well with medical science you know we, you could you know our generation we might well your generation probably yeah. more than mine you know you could probably you could probably live to be 200 right so I don't that's know if i'd want to live that long though like it's interesting if yeah. you if you could live that long in good health and having a happy life why yeah. wouldn't you want to live that long 100 percent you know, but imagine everyone else around me as well. You know, yeah. I mean? But imagine that you're having a shitty life. You know, you've got some crap dead end job, and uh, uh, you know your kids hate your guts, and uh, and they go, "Ah, oh, well, Trixie, you're going to live to 200." It's like, man, uh, I've watched half of this movie already. I'm a bit bored. I think I'm going to walk out of the cinema. Thanks all the same. <laughs> You know, and it's interesting because when you're talking about that, I suppose like a real breakthrough I'm having recently for myself is I'd say over the last few years, I've been so, let's say, career mission focused, right? And I still very much am. That's like one of my innate, just I feel that's just who I am when we talk about self-awareness. But it's really interesting, right? Even when you talk about the concept of, let's say, family and the relationships there you know and i know we've had these discussions before uh in terms of that like relationships are the core of everything you know and and that everything comes down to relationships which is obviously like first relationship with self and then obviously that reflects with relationship with other and those around and it's really interesting because I personally get so much enjoyment from like my family time. I'm kind of emotional thinking about it, you know, like spending times with the people who I love most. And I feel like that really fills me up in a way that other things can't, you know? And, and I feel like, yeah, having the people around is just as important as like the career or whatever, you know, obviously we've gone very much into like the, the mission side of things and maybe what we're here to do but i also feel 
yeah having people around and like actual like real and authentic relationships you know is so important for sure again i think that you know it is very much you know there are there are there are people who love dogs there are people who love cats there are people who love you know living in the mountains there are people who love living on the coast there are people who love being in relationships there are people who don't love being in relationships and you know so i don't think it's a, it's prescriptive you know mm-hmm. I, I i love being in relationships you know and i'm fortunate i have an excellent relationship with my immediate family mm-hmm. you know i now have an excellent relationship with my former wife the mother of my kids i have amazing friends i believe that you know i'm a very good friend uh, I get tremendous joy, you know, out of relationships, but I really love to be in an intimate relationship, you know, and I'm not currently. Uh, and, um, you know, I love it, right? I love being in love. I love it. I love being in love. But that's not to say that everybody needs that. In fact, I know many people who are, and in fact, I'm going to my first big concert gig this afternoon at River Stage. I'm so excited. And I'm going with a friend of mine, you know, who's my age. And uh, he's never been married. He's never lived with a woman. Uh, and he has no need for it. He has great friends, a great career. You know, he, he you know, has a girlfriend from time to time. But fundamentally, he is completely and utterly comfortable in his own skin as a single man at 54 years old mm-hmm. and a very, very realised person. You know, he's done a lot of personal work and a lot of the same stuff that you've done, Darren, and uh, that's, his, that's his gig. You know, so different horses, different courses. I don't think that there's a right or wrong. Personally, though, I believe that your best spiritual growth happens in an intimate relationship. Because that is the person that is most immediately going to give you feedback about your shit, right? Mm. Um, you know, but again, it's, um, you know, we're all unique individuals. We're, we're all unique little snowflakes. And um, at the end of the day, again, what it comes back to, just do what you love. And if you love being alone, be alone. You know, if you love tripping balls and ayahuasca every second weekend, go for it, right? <laughs> uh, neither is right nor wrong. Yeah. It, 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 it just is. You know, and, and what I've come to learn from, you know, the work that I've done, including some plant medicine things and so on, is that you just have to just thoroughly respect and enjoy this incredible gift called life. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Just aho, brother. <laughs> aho. And it's so true because like even, you know, with my personal journeys with medicine as well, is that, you know, that the person I was looking for or looking outside of myself or whatever, let's say even in relationships, in past relationships was myself. You know, it's like, it really comes down to that. And I suppose like that innate, tapping into that innate inner compass as i'd like to call it and that when you're out in the open sea of life it uh it it is the kind of guiding pathway 
And I suppose as humans, we love to like overcomplicate things and try to, yeah, um, you know, rationalize and make a map and logical. But sometimes it is as simple as, does this feel heavy or does this feel light? If it feels heavy, then it's a no. If it feels light, then it's a yes. Yeah, look, a lesson that I definitely need to learn, right? Because I'm like, it's heavy. It's like, oh, but I can make it light. I can make my. Uh, I have a coach his name's Rex, and he's awesome. He says, Richard, you just have to imagine yourself like you build a beautiful garden. Yeah. Like you're building a beautiful garden and butterflies will come into your garden. In other words, women or friends or clients or whatever. They'll come into your garden. They'll appreciate the garden. And some will come in and have a little visit and then fly away. And others will come in and hang around and so on. Uh, but more so for me in relationships, like, you know, the butterflies flies in and they're like, oh, I don't really like this plant in this, on this. Oh, well, can I change the plants? What if I yeah. if I remove that plant and put it in a different plant? Oh, you don't like the bird bath on that side of the garden. How about I move it to the other side of the garden? Yeah. Oh, it's not sunny enough. It's too sunny. Da, 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 da. And it's like, what can I do to keep the butterfly in my garden? Yeah. There's nothing you can do, dude, you know, as he talks to me. He goes, you just build a beautiful garden. Build a bit constantly work on through self-care and putting your attention on what you want. So just build a beautiful garden, like stuff. Somebody will come and join you and then hang around for 10 years. And other people will come in and out. Some clients will come in and buy what you're selling and other clients won't. Mm. Uh, just tend the garden. But we, when I say we, I speak about me, yeah. right? You know, I constantly in particularly in terms of romantic relationship you know i'm looking at well how do i change to accommodate mm. the person that i'm in love with well the reality is they're in love with me because of who i am so if i try and change to accommodate them the things mm. that they're in love with me well they're not there like it's a, it's like a you know you're cutting your own nose off to spite your face right yeah so you just do you just be you know and it got at your age Darren how old are you uh, 24 yeah so 24 of course you know you this is the time for you to focus on career and building mm. your you know building your business and and understanding who you are as a man and as a leader and as an entrepreneur and uh you know it makes complete sense that at this point in your career if an awesome woman showed up woman or dude or you know whatever you're into you know if they show up fantastic but in the meantime you know put your attention on what you'd love which you are which are, and i think it's amazing and you know I, I i really take my hat off to what you're doing the person will turn up mm. when they're ready to you know and in the meantime you've got a beautiful mum who i love very much i haven't met your sister but she seems pretty awesome and uh yeah. you know uh it's all good dude yeah, no, that's a beautiful reflection, man. And thank you for saying that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this as well who really feel that too in my in my situation because like, yeah, being honest, I've thought about, you know, and even over the last year or so, I've been really focusing on, um, as I like to say, the queen that I'm calling in. And, and um, but yeah, I suppose what's coming through and even reflecting back there is, yeah, I've got time, you know, and, and, and not, not settling for anything less than yeah. what, I, what I truly desire, but also, yeah, really allowing this space 
and time for me to focus on me and doing things that I want to do. And, and then even for yourself too, thank you so much for sharing, Brian, for being vulnerable. Um, I, I think going back to the original point, the universe is reflective and reflexive. Yeah. And once you start to put your attention or your intention on what you want, mm. it will show up, right? So at the moment, uh, you know, speaking, you know, sort of fairly directly, you're not putting your attention on the woman. You're mm. putting your attention on the business and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mm. that's where you, you, you only have a certain amount of attention. You can't yeah. put your attention on, you know, 50 different things at once. So you're, mm -hmm. you're putting your attention on your business mm -hmm. and on your training and your own personal development. And, you, you know, you're making, you know, huge uh, progress in that area. As soon as you put your attention on the woman, the woman will show up. Yeah. She can't not show up because at the end of the day, to go back to a point that you made earlier, she is you. Yeah. Right? It, the entire universe you're experiencing is of your own creation. Yeah. Right? There is no other. Uh, this is a hard one for people to get their head around, <laughs> yeah. right? There is no other. So if I'm in a shitty relationship, whether it's with a staff member or a client or whatever, it's actually nothing about them. Mm. It's all about me because everything I experience is my creation, mm. right? So once you put your attention on it, then all of a sudden, you know, the person appears. How can they not? Because it's just a reflection of where you're putting your attention. Mm. That's it. <laughs> it is that simple. It is. Yeah. You know? And if your attention is on attracting, you know, uh, a certain type of person that doesn't serve you because of a pattern that you've believed about yourself from when you were a child, as is the case with me, you know, a lot of work, a lot of, as you know, Darren, I've been doing a lot of work, right? Yes. So why do, I keep, why do I keep attracting the same woman, right? Because, you know, I have a belief about myself and about relationship. And so that woman keeps showing up. Yeah. And she may have a different name and look completely different. Yeah. But fundamentally, you know, she's a reflection of where I'm putting my attention. Mm. So if I no longer want to attract that woman, I need to put my attention on what is it that I actually want? Mm. Or a job. You know, why do I keep getting these shitty jobs where my boss is a dickhead and treats me like shit? Well, because you've got a belief about you know, what it means to be in employment and in service and a relationship, you know, is as, you know, we talk about this hierarchical relationship mm. with the boss or the woman or the, you know, whatever, right? And so you keep having, until you eventually wake up and go, I'm doing this. Yeah. It's nothing about them. It's nothing about them. I am creating this. Okay, so what I need to do is to actually decide what is my preferred reality? What is the life that I'm drawn to, right? And to start to really focus on what is that? And all of a sudden, all of the things that no longer serve you, they just fall away. Yeah. The relationship ends, the job ends, you know, and you start to step into a place of congruence. Mm, and empowerment, you're being mm. drawn to this life I love. But oh, 
99.99% of people don't do it because it's actually pretty fucking scary to take responsibility. That's not easy. Well, it is easy. Yeah, well, sorry. I feel like it's simple, but it's not easy. Exactly. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Right? Because it requires constant vigilance. Yeah. And honesty. Where am I? And honesty. Where am I putting my attention? Uh, As soon as my attention goes to, uh, you know, why doesn't she love me? Why doesn't she love me? What shows up in my matrix? That she doesn't love me. Yeah. Right? 100%. What, you know, why am I in this dead end job? This job sucks. Well, get a new job. But a lot yeah. of people find it a lot easier to sit in victimhood. Yeah. I'm in a job that sucks. Then actually go, well, change. You know, if, yeah. uh, if Russia's invading your country and you don't like it, move. Pretty simple, right? You got these guys driving in with tanks. And you go, this is shit. Leave. Yeah. But the whole world is set up to honor and respect victimhood. Mm. You know, all the whole governments exist by keeping people in victimhood. Don't worry, it's okay. You know, we'll look after you. Just get vaccinated. You know, uh, oh, you, you know, you can't get work. I oh, will give you all this money. And don't get me wrong. I think it's good that governments, um, you know, support people. But they're keeping people in a space of I'm a victim. You turn the news on all day, every day. COVID, 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 COVID. Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, now that what's the new thing? Mosquito plagues and you know, all this crap, and it's how hard is it to actually believe that we create our own reality when we're told 24-7, you're a victim. And I suppose, like, say for someone in that position, like, and I suppose we're always, like, running off of, like, personal perspectives and I suppose how we've journeyed through, but, like, I know for me, like, I feel like that starts with, you actually like got to go inwards and I suppose like devoting yourself to shifting your internal landscape and surrounding yourself with people who are also like-minded. You have to, right? You have to, there's, there's, you know, I, I, as I say, I lived in this Buddhist monastery a week in about four years and they have these great sort of stories, these kind of metaphors, right? So one of the stories is like, there's this, um, uh, uh, there's this king, right? And anyway, uh, when he wants to go for a walk in the garden, you know, they make sure that they remove all the bindies and they roll out a carpet and, you know, they make sure that when he walks out of the garden, he's got a parasol over his head. So, he's, you know, uh, and they do everything to protect him, right? Uh, but mainly, you know, he just doesn't want to, like, walk on these hard stones and these bindies and so on. And, uh, and there's all these servants running around and trying to create this. And this Buddhist monk goes, dude, just put on some shoes. Right? Just put on some shoes, you idiot. Right? And uh, obviously, I'm saying it not quite as eloquently <laughs> as I to. But that's reality, right? Yeah. Okay? You, what you're saying is exactly true. 
just work on yourself. Mm. You know, you don't see the Dalai Lama standing at the picket line, you know, saying, get out Russia, or, you know, you don't see the Dalai Lama. That's not what they do. They go, you know what? I meditate. I, I, uh, I change myself because as I change myself and heal myself, I heal the world. Yeah. Because the world that they're experiencing is created out of their own mind. Yeah. We live in the matrix, right? It's like Neo or Mr. Anderson in, um, in the matrix. I know we're going over time here, but I'm happy to keep no, chatting if you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he goes to see the Oracle. You know, Morpheus has been blowing him smoke up his ass. Oh, dude, you're the chosen one. Oh, you're going to save the world. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you're, and, and oh, you need to go see the Oracle because, like, you know, she's going to validate that you are who, you know, you are the one, Neo, N-E-O, spell it differently, O-N-E, oh, the one, right? Yeah, so he, he goes to see the Oracle, who's that black lady cooking cookies, right? And he says... Uh, Says like Temet Noske on the on the door, doesn't it? Oh, I don't remember, but you yeah. know, he says to her, um, so um, am I the one? And she goes, ah, sorry, dude, you're not the one. Because he asked the question, right? Mm. He didn't believe he was the one. Mm. So of course he's putting his attention on what he doesn't want, and she reflects back, yeah, you're not the one. Right? Okay. Now, in, within our own lives, we are all the one. Mm. And in the broader context, there is only one. You know, the Buddhists talk about as um, uh, all-pervasive non-dual awareness. We're all the one, right? But we are individuated because through this false construct of the ego in order to play this game called life. Now, why are we playing this game? I don't know. You know, people have views, but I, you know. But anyway, uh, once you start to do the work, whether that's through plant medicine or meditation or, you know, extreme sports or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, you start to get a sense that, wow, I can actually change my life by where I put my perception, by where I put my attention. I am the one. I start to put my attention on what I want and all of a sudden, the bullets don't hit me anymore. Mm. You know, I can bend and twist and the bullets fly past. And I can actually achieve Trinity, right? Is that The Matrix movie is so profound. Mm. Movie two and three, appalling. I never followed seeing number four. <laughs> and I've heard that's appalling too. But the first one's so profound because, you know, uh, I... Uh, I'm a child, I'm sitting in this, you know, bubble, you know, in suspended animation, right? And within my matrix, within the dream, a prophet, you know, you talk about the hero's journey. Hmm. So a prophet or a teacher appears and which is Morpheus and says to, you know, Mr. Anderson. Okay, so firstly, Dark Knight of the Soul. So he... Uh, you know, he's a hacker. He's in being investigated by the police. He's scared shitless. He escapes, right? Dark night of the soul. Then a prophet appears. Exactly the same as in, in Star Wars, right? Mm. Yeah, Luke Skywalker's 
you know, adoptive parents die and then Obi-Wan Kenobi appears. Yeah, so so Morph Morph Morpheus appears and says, dude, you know, uh, this is actually just a dream. You're in the matrix and you can start to put your attention on what you want and you can create that. And boom, he pops out of the bubble and he's there and he's like, ah, does not compute. And they're all standing there going, he's going to pop, he's going to pop. And then he pops, right, you know, and, uh, you know, and then he starts to learn wow, if I start to put my attention on what I truly want, I can create what I want. But, of course, in those early days, it's a bit hit and miss because we are, number one, we're not encouraged to do that. There's no education to do this. We're educated to be victims. So this comes as a complete surprise. And like any skill, you know, it takes time to learn to develop a skill. And I'm still different. As I'm having this conversation, I'm going, Trixie, you need to eat your own words here, brother. But, but, uh, you know... And, um, and you start to learn, oh, I just learned jujitsu, right? You know, yeah. oh, I just, you know, I jumped off the building and I grabbed the helicopter or whatever. So you start to do shit that scares the fuck out of you. Yeah. And as you do that, you go, this is actually okay. In fact, I'm pretty good at this. You know, particularly in relationships, right? Being in relationships fucking scary. Giving your heart to somebody, being completely open, being completely vulnerable is scary not most relationships god you look at the divorce rate and so on you know most people they're just they're just scared shitless yeah. oh what if i do this and i get hurt well you gotta get hurt mate you know you, you you would have known you go and play soccer well what if i get tackled i fall on the ground and i and i hurt my leg well dude if you want to play soccer you gotta you know shit's gonna happen right oh and it's interesting even with that dynamic because my dad used to always say to me um that he, he'd instilled it that you know if you go in hard so the harder you go in the less likely you are to get hurt when you tackle yeah you know which is actually interesting because then even taking over that concept of like you know um with the, like even a relationship right and this is probably one of the hardest part of a relationship is let me just quickly, uh, beautiful. Um, I'm just keeping check here because actually my computer is running a bit low. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the universe is like, all right, Darren, wrap it up soon. Plug it into the power, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like then even this concept, because then even with relationships and look, I'm saying this to myself, is like maybe if we go in all in, then we're less likely to hurt ourselves as much as if we kind of are like one foot in, one foot out. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, look, it's a tough one, right? You know, yeah. and I think, again, it's very different going into a relationship as a 24, you're 24, right? Yeah. You know, 24-year-old going into a relationship as a 53-year-old. Yeah. You know, when you go into a relationship as a 53-year-old, you've typically got, a, you know, a few scars and potentially a few kids and, you know, yeah. some shit experiences. And so... It makes complete sense, you know, when you meet somebody to, uh, uh, you know, to hold something back. Yeah. You know, and, you know, trust takes time to build, etc. Yeah. Um, but you need to, again, you need to, I need to, I need to go into a relationship with an employee or with my kids or with a, you know, romantic partner, it, go in with an expectation of putting my, att- yeah, putting my attention on 
this is what I want. You know, I want to be in a profoundly romantic, deeply loving, congruous, um, you know, uh, mutually interdependent relationship with a beautiful woman who loves me completely and unconditionally as I love her. Yeah. So that's where my, I put my attention, my intention. If I put my intention on, oh, I'm really, really worried. What if this person, you know, wants to rip me off? Or, you know, what if, you know, she's got heaps of baggage and, or, you know, what if, uh, whatever, right? All of a sudden I'm putting my attention on what I don't want and what is going to show up in my matrix, my universe, because it's reflective and reflexive, what I don't want. Mm. It doesn't mean that, you know, the minute I meet somebody, I go, oh, by the way, you know, let me tell you my entire life story. And, you know, let me tell you about all of the stupid shit things that I did, you know. Uh, you know, it requires some intelligence and discretion. It's like when you go for a job interview and they go, oh, Darren, why do you want the job? Well, I'm unemployed and, you know, I can't get a job anywhere else, so give me a job. (laughs) Of course you wouldn't say that, right? So, you you know, we're adults and we need to be mindful. What does our mutual friend say? We need to, uh, what's the first of the four virtues? Uh, Prudent. Yeah, we need to be prudent. We need to be prudent, right? We don't want to throw our pearls before swine. Yes. You know, so it, it takes prudence. 100%. But it also, but it needs to be with the right intention. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Now, I'm actually going to quickly plug this in so we can keep going because we're going down a mad rabbit hole here. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keeping it authentic and real. <laughs> the battery goes out, you jump off and plug it back in. No worries. Um, but yeah, so you were saying prudent, so um, not casting our pearls before swine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And then obviously, then there's prudence, fortitude. Is yeah. It? So well, so you know, uh, the four cardinal virtues, right? Yeah. So you know, the first virtue is prudence. So basically, prudent is prudence is. I, you know, I'm cautious about speaking my truth to people who aren't um, emotionally or uh, spiritually or whatever it is aware enough to understand where I'm coming from. Hmm. So, for example, Darren, in this conversation, I can say to you, look, you know, if the Russians are invading and you don't like it, leave. But that's not a comment that I would make, you know, down the pub to a bunch of strangers because yeah. they'd probably go, oh, Trixie, you heartless bastard. You know, it, obviously you don't understand the social, economic dynamics of blah, 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 and da, 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 and so, so, you know, I, um, you, know, you need to be prudent. Uh, I, I hold a lot of opinions that um, mainstream society would probably completely disagree with and i'm not talking mainstream society i'm talking to you so you know i can be more direct and more honest so for example 
you know, uh, you know, to really be throw, you know, crazy one out here. Um, I don't view suicide as bad, right? I think if you're in a life and you're not enjoying it and, you know, you don't feel that there's a way out, kill yourself. Who am I to judge? How do I know? You know, I'm not living in your shoes. I have no intention of committing suicide, but I may in the future. Mm. And who's to say that once I die, I go to this place and all my mates are there going, Trigsy, mate, it's so freaking awesome here. I can't believe that you decided to live another 30 years. You could have come here 30 years ago. This is freaking awesome. What the fuck were you doing still being alive? Right? So I have this sort of view. It's like, okay, if I would be sad if somebody I knew committed suicide, you know, but who am I to judge whether it's in my matrix? All is exactly as it should be. Why? Because it is, right? Yeah, because it happened. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it is. And so, um, you know, we have a mutual friend whose father committed suicide. And who am I to judge? You know, I, I, I don't believe in God from a Christian point of view, but I definitely believe that there is a higher intelligence. So who am I as this little tiny little individuated person within this beautiful, you know, creation to think that my opinion is more important than God's? Mm. If within the creation it was appropriate this person chose to take their life, why should I have an opinion? It's pretty arrogant, right? Oh, well, I've decided that it's not right. Well, who fucking cares, Tracy? Well, it's like even what we discuss is that, you know, we're not, <clears throat> we're not here to save anyone. And I suppose like, you know, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not here to save anyone. Yeah. Concept, you know, the, every individual in their essence is, is a sovereign, you know, that's even what we're talking about like, with, with the, with, um, with the empowerment and, and let's say taking responsibility for your life as a sovereign. And I suppose like you, you can only ever, it's like, you can't lead a fish. You can't lead a horse to water. If it's not, what is it? Uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. And right. that essence of say, like even within coaching or within spaces that you work with yourself or say with brotherhood <laughs> with a lad, you know, if they're not willing to show up, like you can do everything in your uh, power. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, uh, another saying similar is, you know, you can't teach a pig to sing, right? Yeah. You know, the pig's never going to sing and it's just going to frustrate the pig, right? You just, you just have to uh, have prudence, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so the second, you know, cardinal virtue is justice. So justice unto others I wish the best for you and justice unto myself. I wish the best for myself. Mm. You know, and sometimes if we, you know, because we seem to be in a bit of a relationship band at the moment, which is fine. Sometimes you're in relationship and you have to say to that person, I love you, but I love myself more. Mm. You know, and so as much as I love you, this relationship no longer serves me. So I wish you the very best. I wish you every fortune. God bless and bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. I find that very difficult, right? Because I think, you know, particularly people on our path, we want to try and save people. Mm. 
you know, we can see in them the best that they can be. And when they're not leading their best lives, you know, we are invested in wanting to save them. And yet, as our mutual good friend says, they've got to be knocking, right? Yeah. You know, and sometimes people need to sit in their stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the best thing for them. You know, who am I to judge? If yeah. you need to sit in your stuff for the next month, year, lifetime, that's your choice. And, you know, once again, you know, God's as God would do, not as what I would do. Uh, so therefore, um, but I, I need to be, it's not only justice for them, it's justice for myself. Myself, yeah. Yeah. If this relationship's not serving me, thank you, God bless. And then you move into a better relationship because of the learning that you've had, yeah. you know. And again, I've employed staff and I've realised, you know, not long after, that was a really poor hiring decision. Okay, what did I learn from that hiring decision? That um, now uh, I will learn from in terms of hiring my next person. Are we yes. getting a bit of feedback now or are you hearing that? Yes, it's my time. Yeah, the, the connection is going to be wonky. The connection is going to be wonky, Darren. It has. Are that, yeah. It has. Right. Okay, so hopefully that's working. That's okay, that's better. That, okay, that's better. That's you good? Better. Yep, good. Okay, so, all right, so justice, right? So second cardinal virtue of justice. Third cardinal virtue, fortitude, right? Fortitude. So fortitude to I wish good fortune of, on others. I wish good fortune on myself. But more so fortitude, the, you know, the, the element of it that really resonates for me is I need to invest in building my fort, you know, a little bit like, you know, the cavalry in America, they would go out into the Indian land and they would build a fort and they'd surround it, you know, and so they had a place of safety and security. You know, they could go out from that place into the wilderness, but they knew that if shit got tough, they could retreat to the, the fortitude. So, you know, um, uh, the stronger the constitution, the stronger the body, if the constitution works well, then the government, the mind works well. So self-care uh, is the highest priority. You know, I, I think that you say, Darren, all the time is, you know, I, I need to love myself so much that it spills out of myself into the hearts of others, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah, so really being, and this is probably... Of the four um, cardinal virtues, this is my Achilles heel, right? Uh, I'm not used to be your Achilles heel. Well, well, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you know, self care in terms of diet and exercise and so on is uh, is uh, not my strongest suit, put it that way. <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally, you know, um, the last one uh, is temperance. Yeah, now, understanding that there are times where we'll be hot and times where we'll be cold. There would be times where we were angry. Now, what makes me angry? I have this irrational anger. 
which I'm working on. But like, for example, if I'm on my computer and I can't remember my password, you know, I will literally absolutely and utterly lose my shit. <laughs> or if I can't find my keys, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to go, where have I put my keys? I can't find my keys. And all of a sudden I'll be into the whole Richard, you effing idiot, <laughs> totally berating myself. Like I can deal with human beings and human being issues, no problem, you know, no worries at all. Things that other people would find really, really tough, I can just do it. But if I lose my keys, I literally, you know, explode like a maniac, right? So, you know, temperance is, uh, there'll be times where I'm hot, there'll be times where I'm cold, but it's important, you know, to be able to, uh sort of grab that in the moment and make sure that you know if i'm feeling hot i don't burn people and if i'm feeling cold i don't push people away mm. so it's that kind of self-awareness piece of you know it's only natural you know sometimes i'm on black sometimes i'm on white it's cool and it's also recognizing other people too you know yeah you might be having a conversation with somebody and you know for whatever reason they're in a shitty mood and instead of going, oh, you know, they're obviously shitty with me and blah, 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 and well, it's me and aren't they an arsehole and, mm. and you just go, you know, I get it, you know. Oh, Darren, you seem a bit pissed off today or, you know, what's going on for you, mate? You know, how can I help you? Yeah. And then the person goes, oh, you know, actually, uh, you know, my you know, my dog got run over this morning and I'm feeling really sad, right? You, you yeah, know, so... You're not making about it yourself. You, completely, you really yeah. completely, you know, and, and, you know, coming back to relationships again, you know, being, and it's, you know, my own experience, you know, being in a relationship and the person says, look, I don't want to be with you anymore. And they're going, oh, you know, why has she done this to me? Oh, it's so sad. And why doesn't, you know, what's wrong with me? And why, why would she do this to me? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm making it all about me right instead of going well what's going on for her yeah, you know what's going on for her there's obviously stuff going on for her and if i can just hold space for her mm -hmm. and allow her you know the space to deal with what's going on for her what more can i if you know it, it, particularly if you say look i love this person right so let's say you know from a you know, take it to sort of a personal level level yeah, let's say your mum's Olga, right? So I say, I love Olga, which I do. I love her. She's awesome. She's a beautiful friend and I'm so grateful that I've met her and so on. You know, if I started to get into this whole thing about, well, Olga said she was going to do this and then she didn't show up or she said she was going to call and she didn't ring or, or whatever it is, or something, and I make it all about me, well, do I actually really love her? Mm. Right. If I love her, like if you love somebody, then you accept them completely unconditionally. So if somebody's going off for them, by the way, Darren, I'm not saying that I'm in no, bad no, love. No, I your right. You know, uh, if I love this person, then I just hold space for them. Because we're all going through our stuff, right? Yeah. You know, I you, you just hold space for this person and be available without being intrusive. But as soon as I make it about myself, you know, ah, oh, but, you know, she needs to love me. You know, as a Stuart Wilde, you know, who's a, an author, 
is dead now, but had a profound effect on my life. He said, the goal in life is not to be loved. The goal in life is to love. Mm. And the way of the peaceful warrior, you know, is to be love, irrespective of what comes back. Anthony DeMillo, a Jesuit priest, Indian Jesuit priest, who's also died, wrote a beautiful book called Awareness, a profoundly impactful book in my life. And, you know, he he says, you know, uh, three goals in life, which I've really taken to heart. One, always be the first to say sorry. Two, return love for hate. And three, include the excluded. They're beautiful. Yep. That makes me very emotional. Because what more is there? That is a life worth living. Regardless of how much money you have in the bank or the car you drive or your business success or even your romantic relationships. Even just uh, include the excluded. So many people just suffering because they, uh, they have this sense of detachment and uh, just needing to be loved, yeah. you know? So <laughs> why am I crying? Anyway, uh, but, you know. Emotional content. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, that is big love trinity, yeah. you know. You know, that's yeah. it, you love know. It, oh, I love you so much, but... Uh, um, that's the work, the work, you know, fuck man. Uh, it is constantly just sitting in a place of how do I love more? Yeah. How do I love more? You know, if I'm in this situation with this person and, you know, it's not going the way that I would choose it to, how do I love them more? Yeah. It may still end up that it doesn't go the way that I want it to. In fact, many times it does. But how can I love them more? And more and more. Because that is, that's it. And you're in turn loving yourself because, as you said, of course, like there is no other, is there? Absolutely. There is no other. Yeah, Stuart Wild used to have this thing which <laughs> I'm not very good at or I need to practice more, but, you know, he'd be walking down the street and, and, and he'd see somebody and there'd be something about them. we go, oh, you know, they're fat or they're ugly or, you know, they walk in a weird way or look at their stupid clothes or, yeah. and would immediately catch himself to find an attribute of them that he loved. Mm. So he might see, you know, a homeless person and go and think to himself, look at their beautiful eyes. 
or see a woman berating her children and think to himself, wow, hasn't she got lovely fingernails or whatever, right? Like he would just train himself to, uh, you know, because the resistance comes up, right? As soon as you see something in other that you don't like, what are you really doing? You're reflecting on things about yourself that you don't like. Mm. So as soon as it would come up, catch himself in the moment and put his attention on what he loved. Yeah. What a powerful metaphor. Yeah. Because it's like, as you're saying, like, it's the training, you know, when we're talking about the concept of training yourself to take extreme ownership for your life and reality and to see it that way, you know, we're talking about Neo and the Matrix and, and, um, and yeah, because then you're, you're in every day and every scenario training yourself to see what you want and instead of seeing what you don't want, you know, which then, and then obviously then naturally, if you're seeing also the beauty in someone else, it reflects back and you start to train to see the beauty in you, you know? Of course, you yeah. know, of course. Going back to your thing, I need to love myself so much that it overflows into the heart of others. Yeah. But often it's hard to identify the things in ourselves that we love, right? I recently had some headshots done by a photographer because I need a new website. And he did these headshots and they came back and I looked at the person and even though I look at myself in the mirror every single day when I brush my teeth and, you know, whatever, I looked at this person and I went, I do, who is that person? <laughs> yeah. I just looked at this person and it, honestly, it I, it just did not look at, look like me at all. Yeah. Right? And I showed them to, you know, one of my staff members and I said, oh, Yolanda, I hate these photographs. They look terrible. They don't look like me at all. She goes, Trixie, that's exactly what you look like. <laughs> right? We can't see it in ourselves. Yeah. You know, so again, coming back to relationships, so part of the role of being in a relationship is to reflect back to the person, you know, their true beauty. Yeah. Because often that person can't see it themselves. Yeah. But as I admire you, you know, as I admire you, because there is no other, the attributes that I admire in you are attributes that I admire in myself. Yeah. So why would you choose not to do that? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's completely counterintuitive. And, you know, I have a, uh, a friend of mine, I won't mention her name, but, um, you know, she's been married to a guy, uh, they've got a couple of kids, and, uh, and she's been very vocal about this guy and, um, uh, you know, basically why he's a shit husband you know, inattentive to her, not, you know, emotionally detached from the kids and, you know, it goes on and on and on about it. So I talked to her about the work that I've been doing and she said to me, oh, my husband needs to do that work. He needs, <laughs> he needs to go and do that. And I said to her, well, maybe you need to do the work. Maybe if you do the work yourself, then you'll be a yeah. role model to him, right? Being the example. So anyway, she started doing the work and literally her relationship with her husband is now 
phenomenally fantastic. Mm. They are madly in love. She said, it's like we've just met. We've never had a more loving relationship. It is amazing. He's done nothing. <laughs> He's done nothing. <laughs> she started to change where she was putting her attention. Yeah. And the universe being reflective and receptive, or whatever it is, uh, you know, changed her matrix. He's done no work. None. Because, you know, if you love, you know, love is a verb. I love you. Mm. You know, it's not about being loved. It's about loving so much. But, of course, he reciprocates with the love That's and that fills her heart with love. Yeah, because it's re- he's reflective and reflexive of where she's at. Completely. Yeah. Completely. I feel like we've hit, <laughs> we've hit some mad, like absolute bangers, you know, <laughs> today. And yeah. yeah, I really want to say also from my perspective, man, like I've learned so much from this call. It's like, a, it's like a psychotherapy session, you know, <laughs> it's great. And, well, uh, you know, it, look, what I love is, you know, I'm, it's like the old bull and the young bull. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not that I'm, I'm, on my way out, you know, so you've got plenty more. But I think one of the wonderful things, you know, of the work that you do is, you know, encouraging men, uh, whether they're 20 or whether they're 60, to just get into dialogue. Because there's so much that a man of my age can learn from a younger man and vice versa. Uh, and, and so I really applaud what you're doing and, you know, I'd love to support it however I can. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Now I'm about to go to River Stage and see Stone Temple Pilots, you know, uh, <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots, a band that I've loved since the 90s. You know, so uh, to be really crude, I'm going to rock out with my cock out. (laughs) (laughs) In in, uh, proper BLT fashion. (laughs) (laughs) What do they say? To impress the chicks, helicopter dick. (laughs) Oh, really? I hadn't heard that one. But uh, uh, as I... uh, no, we won't get it. Yeah, yeah, night. no, no, no. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta be careful what we say. Uh, all yeah. in good spirits, though. All in good spirits. Yeah. Look, I, I think you know the thing too is that you know for any women that may be watching this, uh, you know, I think that men really want to be the best that they can be in relationship, and uh, I think that often you know because of men's poor behaviour. And uh, through ignorance more than, you know, you know, I, I talk to females that I know who are on dating sites and, you know, the kind of communication they get from men. And so it, it often can leave them, leave them in a very jaded position about, mm. you know, just how fucking rubbish blokes are. And I, I think that blokes, you know, act that way more out of ignorance rather than desire. In fact, I've been yeah. thinking a lovely little sort of side hustle business would be to actually teach dudes how to communicate with girls on yeah. dating sites because, honestly, they are in the main rubbish. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I think we, we're all doing the best we can, right, you yeah. know? And I think there's a lot of division and, you know, angst and fear and whereas we just... 
we're just all doing the best we can. Yeah. And if we could do better, we would. All right. And I, I think that's a lovely, you know, thing that I've learned is that, you know, you, if somebody is acting a particular way, is to just go, you know what? They're doing the best that they can. Mm. And if they could do better, they would. Because nobody wants to be an asshole. No. You know, everybody fundamentally just wants to be loved. Yeah. And to love. And uh, if we all just gave each other a little bit of slack and just, you know, saw beyond the behaviour to the intention, the world would be a much better place. Oh, bro. Uh Uh-oh. Enjoy your day. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, man, um, leaving it with that golden nugget for sure. Now, I feel like it is just also like tying to that. I feel like... Yeah, you know, I can say even working with even younger lads in the next generation, the intention is still the same. You of know, it, it of course it is, as you said, you know, and, and I suppose there's beautiful work coming through, even around educating one another to understand one another at a greater capacity. And I suppose as men in these sort of spaces as well, like we really can do that and we can communicate on a level that we understand inherently, uh, and and to really um then bring in perspectives such as 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 females as well and and um yeah unite at a greater mm. scale so trigzy from my perspective thank you so much for your kind words also thanking you for what you do for the way you show up just pure rawly in in all essence you 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 know and i'm not saying this to buddy your bread but you're one of the most well-rounded men i know for sure. <laughs> well, I've definitely got a round tummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean that. Like, you know, I mean that sincerely. And I know you'll know what I mean, you know. So um, I love you so much, man. And, and I'm so grateful for to have you part of in my, my round community as, as I learn from, from you guys so much. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful for the role models I have like yourself around. Right back at you, Darren, and uh, looking forward to catching up with you soon. Pass on my regards to your beautiful family, and uh, thanks for this opportunity to have this amazing conversation. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I feel very grateful. Me too, bro. And one last thing as well. If anyone wants to kind of get in contact, listen to your podcast, all this sort of stuff, I'll link it below, but where can they go find you? Well, look, firstly, so for anybody who's actually looking for a job, you know, I wrote a book called Uncover the Hidden Job Market, and it's completely free. I've, I've recorded a bunch of webinars to help people to navigate through their job search. They're completely free. So probably either reach out to me through Arate Executive, which is my business, A-R-E-T-E Executive, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, actually, possibly, you know, send me a message via LinkedIn, but uh, more than happy to provide those resources, um, you know, to support you looking for a new job. Whether you're an executive or whether you're, you know, early in your career, it really makes no difference. Um, uh, other than that, I am uh, launching a personal website soon. I've, I've just written a new draft of my book, my podcast uh, called the Arache Podcast. Uh, they're on Spotify and iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, so just um, Richard Triggs and uh, I'm sure you'll find me. And uh, yeah, love to uh, love to get some feedback um, uh, and support people however I can. Beautiful, guys. And I'll link that all below, which is awesome. Cool. All right. Lovely, Beautiful. Darren.
Love you, bro. We'll speak soon. All right. You too. See you, Darren. All right. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.